Hello and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast, where we take a look at the UK's ice hockey leagues. We're sponsored by Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs. Check them out. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Third Period Podcast. Tonight I have with me Ross and Ash and I hope they're both okay. So tonight's guest has played for the Fort Murray, McMurray sorry, Oil Barons in the AJHL. Uh, then played for the Sacred Heart University in the NCAA and then moved on to the Alaska Aces in the ECHL, playing alongside former Blaze player and podcast guest Liam Stewart. In 2017, he joined the Coventry Blaze in the Elite League for two seasons before moving over to Northern Ireland and playing for Belfast Giants last year. A GB national player, we welcome Ben Lake. Ben, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. No problems at all. So... We'll start where it all starts. Ice hockey for yourself, obviously, being of Canadian uh, origins. I'm assuming you were born with skates on. Um, But how do you get into it? How do you kind of think this is what I want to do? Um, Yeah, it's like you said, it's kind of kind of a non-negotiable growing up in Canada. um, My my brother, who's he's five years older than me, um, he kind of got into it and my parents actually being from the UK, um, I don't think they really knew too much about it, but um, my dad kind of became hockey mad and he was, he kind of, he was okay to admit he knew nothing about the game, but he's a, he liked to be a part of it. And he's pretty, he's a pretty organized guy. So he was always our, uh, our team manager. He would always organize everything off the ice and road trips and booking hotels and all that. So he, he was always a part of it and he loved doing that. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I just kind of followed in my brother's footsteps and, um, we kind of, kind of just snowballed from there and we ended up becoming a pretty hockey mad family. Sounds like you caught the Canadian book then as the, as the saying goes. So obviously Fort McMurray oil barons in the AJHL, um, not, not too uh, too bad of a, a league as far as I'm aware, but how would that rank in terms of you know junior hockey in Canada in com- in comparison to maybe like the Quebec leagues, etc.? Yeah, so the AJHL, so that's tier two junior. Um, mm-hmm. So anyone who goes down that route is kind of doing the uh, the NCAA route as it as you still keep your eligibility for that. Whereas playing in the Quebec League or the Western League or the O. Um, you lose that eligibility as it's classed as professional. So um, I was, I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, I didn't really grow till I was 17, 18. So I never really had the chance to play in the, in the WHL, Um, never got drafted or anything. So yeah, I, I didn't really kind of get, I was, I was about five feet two, um, hundred pounds, probably in, in 11th grade so and then when I turned 17 18 I finally started sprouting up and putting on some weight and um that's probably I had a pretty good season in my my last year and I got um kind of recruited to go play up in Fort McMurray which is so I grew up in Calgary Fort McMurray is about eight hours north um still in Alberta so that was uh that was a pretty crazy experience going up there it was minus 50 every day in the winter um long bus trips our closest bus trip was probably five hours um so 
so I definitely grew up a lot that first year playing there. I played three years there. Um, had a pretty tough coach, probably one of the, one of the best coaches I've ever had. But I think it, I grew up a lot. Um, kind of, kind of taught you, and I I still have this mindset probably to this day playing. Um, he never really he never really praised anyone. He you you didn't. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. He uh, he kind of you relied on yourself for confidence. And I think that's helped me a lot throughout my career um, mm. with coaches, especially coaches who are like that. Um, whereas you play with a lot of guys and they need to be told by their coaches, they're doing a good job. Um, yeah. I think with myself, it's just something I, I know when I'm doing a good job. So, so playing up there, I played for him for three years. By the end of the third year, I was, we were pretty, um, I think I, I understood him a lot that first year was tough he was hard on me and then but obviously he saw something in me and he, he kept me around and year by year I improved so um so kind of having that and having him as a mentor and kind of the the group I played all three years with we we kind of relied on each other for that confidence and um and yeah it kind of led to getting a scholarship and going to play in the states yeah so just, just sticking obviously with the oil barrel just for a second, because like what I did notice when we did a little bit of kind of background checks and history and in your second season with them, you made the playoff final. And obviously being such a young age, um, unfortunately the final didn't go in, in the way you wanted it to. Um, it was on the receiving end of a loss, unfortunately. With the coach being the way he is then, how do you pick yourself up at such a young age and go, right, brush myself off, move on to the next chapter? Or do you dwell on it for a few days and, and then move on, especially with the coach being the way he was as well. Yeah, that was um, that was on, on one of my one of the best seasons I think I've ever had. Um, we had such a close group, close knit group. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't mean to say he was he wasn't he wasn't a bad coach. He was he was one of the best coaches I've ever had. But he yeah. had a different way about going things. And um, when you weren't playing well, he let you know. But when when you were playing well, everything was easy, like like it is in hockey. And I think we went that season. We ended we won fourteen or fifteen games in a row at one point, and making it all the way to and and that's tough when you're eighteen, nineteen years old and you're playing basically NHL style playoffs, best of seven series, and and then for us to lose in Game Seven of the League Final, I that was that was a really tough moment, and especially for myself because I got I ended up breaking my collarbone in game six. And so I didn't get to play game seven. So that was, uh, that was a really tough moment. I remember going in the, and we ended up losing game seven pretty, pretty handily. I think it was seven, one or something. And uh, so that was a pretty tough time in the dressing room. Um, A lot of tears after that. Um, But, and, and yeah, it's tough because a lot of guys are moving on. You it's, uh, guys are aging out you never know what's going to happen in the summer guys can get traded and uh but I think I think it gave us that confidence going into the next season we we believe we were going to put together another kind of championship winning season um and unfortunately I remember we had a from what I remember we had a, a really good team again and for whatever reason it just I don't think it worked out we I think we lost in the second round of playoffs if I'm I don't know. A lot of hits to the head. I can't remember that far back, but, um, 
yeah, we had a, we had a solid group and yeah, it was, I really enjoyed my time there. I, I had great billets. Um, I still speak to them to this day. I lived with them for all three years and it was, it was funny. Their, their parents were actually from the UK as well. And, and they, they, the mom grew up five minutes from where I grew up. So it's, yeah, it was a small world. And so that was good. We, we ended up getting along really well. And, um, yeah, so that my 20 year old year there before I went to school, it was, uh, uh yeah, I can't even remember what, uh, we ended up losing to the same team. I lost all the, all three years. We lost the same team in playoffs. So that was, that was tough. Oh, I was going to say, I've got you down as the your third season there. You get an A. So you get obviously the cap, assistant captain role. Uh, playoffs, yeah. we got, I've got you down here as a, a semi final uh, elimination this year. So you didn't get quite to the final hurdle that year. Uh, but like you say, if it's the same team, then that's uh, it's always a difficult one, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, moving up after that, obviously you go NCAA route, like you say, um, and you go to the, let me just bring it up here for you, the Sacred Heart University. Um, am I saying that right? Is that is that how you'd say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I just want to make sure because I'm cautious of these North American university names. So how does the NCAA... Do- how does the NCAA route come about for yourself? Um, do you reach out to them thinking university education wise, or did they come to you and offer you some sort of deal? Um, I think that's for any player that's playing junior A, that's the end goal is to mm-hmm. kind of get a scholarship and go play in the U S um, obviously it doesn't work out for some guys. Some guys end up staying in Canada playing in the CIS there. Um, but no, they, at the kind of at the start of each season before the NCAA season starts and the and when the junior season is kind of in full swing, they'll send assistant coaches to come scout and come watch games up in Canada. And um, I actually had a had a teammate from Fort Mac. Um, he had gone to Sacred Heart uh, two years previously, so I had been in touch with him, and he just kind of filled me in on what it was like and I went on a they flew me down um so I did a visit there and did the whole thing went out for a night with the boys um they treated me well and I ended up committing to go there and uh yeah played there for four years and loved every minute of it so you spent the four seasons uh playing for the Sacred Heart University what was your what would you say your highlight was in uh, playing in that league? Um, I think uh, we had some. I think at the start of uh, my third year there, my junior year, um, our very first game, we we were coming into that season. We had uh, we had won two 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 games the previous season all se- all year. So that was. Um, not that was probably the low point but and then going into that next season we weren't expected to do anything um we we had a pretty much brand new team um and we ended up beating the number one ranked team in the country which was UMass Lowell at the time um we ended up beating them 2-1 and uh yeah that was pretty fun. That was probably one of the highlights. Um, also played played at Penn State. Um, that was pretty fun. They had they had uh, some pretty big crowds there. Um, my actual first two games, my rookie year, 
we played against um, Minnesota in Minnesota, um, which is a pretty hockey mad state. And uh, I think they had about both games. We, we got killed both games, but um, there was about 10,000 fans both nights. So those were pretty uh, hockey wise. Those were pretty strong memories for me. So what was it you uh, actually studied when you uh, went there? I studied, uh, I did my undergrad in marketing there. Nice. So after that, you then signed your first professional contract and spent two seasons in the East Coast playing for the Alaska races. How did you feel the two seasons went on a personal note with it being your first year in pro? Yeah, I think I think my first year I was pretty. Uh, it's I honestly didn't really know what to expect. Um, I'd never played. Um, obviously, I'd never played pro hockey before. Um, I was going in at twenty five years old. Um, didn't know the coach. Didn't really know anyone on the team. Um, but uh, but I really enjoyed it uh, playing in Alaska. Um, you're obviously flying all over the states you're visiting you're visiting places staying overnight so you're getting to kind of see the cities um so that part of it i really enjoyed um and li living in alaska in the winter time i found it could be a bit uh, mentally draining uh it's dark all the time going to practice at nine or ten in the morning and it's still dark and then you're leaving the rink at I think probably around noon time and the sun's barely coming up. Um, so that was pretty tough uh, mentally. And, um, and then I, the, uh, the coach we had there, um, I just, I never got the feeling he, uh, he was the biggest fan of me. Um, he was, he was pretty hard on everyone. And I, I just never really got a chance um, to be in a, goal scoring position um I was all I I played on the third line basically for two years straight I don't think I had a single game off the third line maybe one where I got a chance and and that was it it was one game and then back down the third line and so I was kind of put in a position I was basically playing a grinding role fighting when I had to um Pretty much if I didn't finish a hit, I was not playing the next shift um, or or playing the next game. So um, I just thought it was I really enjoyed my time there. We had we had great groups of guys both years, but um, I just didn't see a future in that league for myself. I didn't see any way moving up the lineup. So I wanted to try something new. Uh, so it was basically play hard or you're not playing at all, basically. Uh, what, how did you find the difference between the NCAA and the East Coast? You know, was there a massive difference between the two leagues? Um, I just think you're playing against, you're playing against men and a lot of older, not, not older, but more, um, more experienced professionals. Um, NCAA, it's full of, you're just, it's full, you, you practice five times a week, play Friday, Saturday. So you're spending the whole week on systems and learning about the team you're playing that weekend. So it's so systematically driven and 
so the and the games are so low scoring and you're there's just guys running around hitting each other nonstop. You've got cages on, so you guys can pretty much do whatever you want out there without repercussion. Um, whereas moving into the pro game, guys guys will slow it down a bit and it's not all about um, basically just running around and working as hard as you can. You you actually have to have some some sort of thinking to succeed in the pro game. So, and then after your time in Alaska, uh, you then get a phone call from Danny Stewart to come across the pond to play for us in Coventry. How did that move come about? Um, so I actually played with uh, Tim Wallace in Alaska and I had seen that he signed in Sheffield. So I just, I kind of rung him up and asked, and I was always interested in coming over to the UK to play. Um, I knew uh, I was pretty close with Liam Stewart as well. Um, I saw he can't, he went over to Coventry and was enjoying it. Um, so, yeah, so I, I just rung up Timmy Wallace and, um, and he kind of got me in touch with his agent. And um, yeah, I guess he, he uh, had some interest from Danny. So um, yeah, I just kind of agreed to come and uh, I guess the rest is history, as they say. And what was your first thoughts of the city and Sky Dome? Um, yeah, I was, I, uh, I really enjoyed my time in Coventry. Um, I just, I remember I'd obviously been to the UK as a kid quite a lot. Um, with my parents being from there, but I just, I do remember feeling like it wasn't going to be, I thought it would be less of a culture shock. I wouldn't say it was a culture shock, but the differences between North America and the UK are a lot greater than I thought they would be. And it's, it's something you get used to within a month. So, and my roommate, um, Dax, we played together in Alaska. And he had never really been outside the U.S. at all or been to Europe. And he, he was like, he was totally out of, out of his element. He, uh, he was like, man, like, I can't, it's, it's crazy. It's, to, it's so different. And he's, and he's just this guy from Alaska who's just a redneck Alaskan. Not a redneck, but um, yeah, he's, a, he's an Alaska boy through and through. But so he, but he, he's another guy. He enjoyed it as well, but and yeah, getting to the Sky Dome. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I I always enjoyed playing there. Um, not so much as a visiting player, but um, but yeah, I enjoyed playing there as as a part of the Blaze. So your first season, you know, it was a good one. Eighteen goals, seventeen assists. How did you feel your first season went? Yeah, I was I was pretty happy with it. I remember I I came in and. Stewie kind of said I was going to be a third line guy, which, which I was fine with. Um, I knew I would have to work my way up the lineup. Um, so I think from what I recall, um, I started on a line with Jordan Petrus and I can't even remember. I think it might've been Paquette. Anyway, so long ago. Um, and it, it kind of just, I think I remember having a pretty slow start. Um, I actually, during preseason, I actually, one of my terms for signing was that I would be able to go back during preseason 
go back home for my brother's wedding. Um, so I remember going back for that. And then, so I was home for two days and then all the way back for two days. I remember it like totally screwed with my mental clock. So I had a pretty slow start at the season. And then um, kind of as time went on, I got, I got used to the league. Um, and I, I got put on a line with, uh, so in the second half of the season, I got put on a line with Valley and Dingle. And we, we pretty, we excelled pretty well together. And um, those were two pretty easy guys to play with. Like kind of just give Valley the puck and he would skate through everyone. And, and I would kind of chip in with some lucky goals, but um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun season. We kind of s- scraped in the playoffs at the end of the year. Um, and then I think it was Cardiff we played that year. Um, and I think, I think it was quite close, um, after the first leg. And then I think towards the end of it, they kind of ran away with it. Um, but yeah, that was, it was my, for my first season in the UK, I had a blast. Um, I'm a huge football fan. So I got to go to a bunch of football games. Um, got pretty close with guys like V and, uh, Clem and feds and who, I mean, we're still pretty close friends today. So, um, yeah, it was good, good being introduced to those guys and, and again, uh, getting accustomed to the UK culture. Oh, brilliant. And then the next season, it was like, wow, who's this new player that we've just signed? Ben Lake, you know, you score 34 goals, 43 assists. What did you think changed in your game that season? Yeah, I'm not sure anything really changed. Um, I don't know. That season I was getting asked that question like nonstop. You wouldn't believe. And I just, I just never, I could never put an answer to it. I guess the, the biggest thing was confidence. Um, having, having that first year under my belt and then kind of knowing the surroundings and knowing, and I knew going into that second season that I was going to be in a position from the start to succeed as a top six forward, which I, which I'd never, um, I'd never really had in my pro career. So, um, so kind of knowing that in the summertime and, and going into it, um, I was kind of mentally prepared for that role um, to be a kind of go-to guy and being a power play guy immediately. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just, and then I guess it just kind of um, myself, Pauly and Crowder, we were on a line together and uh, we kind of clicked right away, um, right off the start. And, Anytime you kind of have a hot start and you just want to keep it going. And I don't think it really, it really waned for us. So um, yeah, that was probably one of the funnest seasons I've ever had as a hockey player. It just, it just felt like everything was going in and um, I never really had a, a period where I wasn't producing. And I think every player has that moment where, you're gonna you go through cold spells and it was it was crazy I didn't really have that moment and so yeah it was a lot of fun it's always good when um you got that chemistry and things are just going right for you one thing uh, I noticed was this shot that you would pull off 
it wasn't like a toe drag. It was like the heel of the uh, stick to the toe of the stick. Where did this come from? You seem to bamboozle the defence with it. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure. Like, like a like the way I shoot it. You mean? Yeah, yeah. It was just like it didn't look like a like a toe drag. You, you know, it was it was just hard to explain on this shot that you do, and it would just have the defence completely baffled. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess it's just something I've always done. Um, yeah, I've never really, I wouldn't say I have the, the best shot. I, w I wouldn't say it's one of my strongest points, but um, yeah, that, that season, it just, it just all seemed to work. Um, everything, it, it didn't really matter what I was, where I was shooting from, they were just somehow going in. And uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll just put it down to luck. So what was your thoughts uh, with the difference between the East Coast and the Elite League? Um, I would say the Elite League is a bit more, um, there's more experienced players, um, guys who've kind of been there, done that. Um, whereas the East Coast League, it's, it's kind of who's freshest on the night in the elite league. You're not really, you're not playing as many games. Um, you're obviously still playing quite a bit. Um, but in the coast, you're playing three times a week, traveling all over the country, um, staying in hotels overnight. Um, so it, it was kind of whoever was feeling it on the night was going to be successful. And there's a lot of younger guys who are on, NHL contracts, the roster's getting turned over nonstop. You don't really know if you're going to have a job the next day because you, you can just get fired like that. And teams are picking guys up. Teams are releasing guys. So it's um, – you, you, in the two years I was there, was, I probably had, I don't know, up, up to 100 different teammates. So, um, so that was – that was a bit um, disheartening, kind of going into the rink every day and not knowing who's going to be sitting beside you in the room. Um, whereas in the elite league, you kind of you get that chance to bond with your teammates. Um, obviously, there's situations where where guys leave or guys get fired, but it's not as it's not as likely or it doesn't happen as often. Um, and so yeah, you're able to kind of grow that bond with your teammates and you're, you're really playing usually twice a week. So you get that chance to kind of get together off the ice and, and grow that bond more. Um, so yeah, it's, and there's, there's guys who have played in higher leagues, NHL guys, American league guys, guys who've played all over Europe in the elite league. So there's just, there's just a lot of experience and there's a lot of guys you can learn from. I'm just going to go back slightly, Ben, um, where we discussed a moment ago about the shot. Um, it was more of a, it was the process of the play. You'd, you'd go down the ice, you'd have the puck, and you'd be tanking in to the end zone. And you'd kind of stop and kind of jump in if the face. And you'd, you'd do like a whole body movement and transition the whole body over 
the defenseman's already gone. He's naming it from Papa John's. And then you've got a free shot on the goal. It was, I know you've touched on that, you just kind of kept doing it. It just, it seemed to work week in, week out, and no one cottoned onto it. Was there any thinking that, or was it literally just pure luck and judgment on a, any given time? Yeah, I think maybe, maybe the thing, if I'm thinking correctly, um, I think it's more so just a, a body position kind of thing. Um, getting anytime you, you kind of have a step on a guy, you want to put the body between you, between him and the puck. Um, so that's kind of what I try and do most of the time. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the most gifted stick handler, so I have to find other ways to kind of protect the puck. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a move I maybe started trying out that season. And I don't know, I guess you see you see a lot of guys do that in the NHL where they're kind of put, put the shoulder down and put it under the guy's stick as they're going wide and kind of jumping through and, and getting it. So yeah, maybe it came from that. I don't know, but it's, it's not something I was really consciously thinking about as I was playing. Saying him, you just mentioned about protecting the puck and I'm going to go back slightly a bit from when you discussed the East coast and you said about fighting and fighting has changed a lot in the game nowadays to what it was three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and you mentioned that the coach would say, if you, like, if you didn't make a check, you might not play the next game kind of thing. How does that pressure, how do you deal with that sort of pressure? And how is that on your mental health as a hockey player? Because you, at the time, you're still very young. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty tough. Um, and, that, and that was the thing. I, I knew my coach, he liked, he was an old school guy. Um, and I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I've never been a guy who's going to quit on anything. I'm not going to, oh, this isn't going well for me. I'm not going to call it quits and pack my bags and go home. I want to see it through. And um, so that was, that was my way to stick with the team. Um, I was going to have to, I mean, I, I have no problem playing that role. Um, I, th I think I'm a player who kind of does everything. Um, so, but in saying that, I also wanted to contribute offensively more, um, and I never got that chance. So yeah, and uh, it was it was pretty demoralizing, confidence-wise. Um, anytime I really did try to do anything offensively and it didn't work out, I was getting, I was getting pretty, uh, I was getting kind of ripped on by the coach, and um, but I. But on the other side, I, I knew he liked me for my physical side and, and what I would bring um, when it came to that side of the game. So that's probably one of the reasons he did keep me around. That just makes sense. It's uh, Everyone's got a role, haven't they? And uh, if your role was to make big checks, drop the clubs here and there, and then chip in five, six, seven goals, and you're doing it, that's your role. If you're paid to go and score 50 goals and you didn't, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. And I'm going to jump forward a bit more now. And it's early January 2019, and you get a call up for the GB national team uh, by Pete Russell. So, regards that, is the conversations going on in the background of people being in touch going, look, we're interested in you playing for the national team, or is it very much a bolt out of the blue and it's, oh, here you go, 
Pete Russell when she's playing next week? Um, well, yeah, I, I knew I was obviously I was eligible. Um, for any dual national guys, you have to play two years in the league before you're eligible. So um, I knew after that first season that I was that I would be eligible for it. Um, so and obviously Andy Buxton being the GM there, um, there was. I think if I remember correctly, I think he asked me if I would be interested in it. Um, and obviously I said, yes, um, I didn't, I didn't foresee getting called up by Canada anytime soon. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, and then, yeah, I think, yeah, it was, in, you say it was in January time. Yeah. yeah the call up was January. We played Riga at the Skydome. Um, you actually scored the, I'm going to say the opening goal. That, no, you scored the second goal that night. Luke Frown scored the opening goal. You got the second yeah. in that game. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, so yeah, I, we had that kind of mini camp in the middle of the season. Um, so that was my first time kind of being a part of the setup um, and kind of seeing what it was all about. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a great experience. Um, kind of beating that team and the Sky Dome was going absolutely bananas with a, all those crazy Latvians in there flipping us off after the game. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. Um, it, was, it was good kind of getting to meet all those guys and kind of was my first time within the setup and seeing what it was all about and kind of meeting the coaches there. Um, and then, yeah, kind of top it off with a goal in my first game. That was, uh, that was a great experience. You mentioned that you didn't envisage getting the call up by Canada. But then you play against them um, in Slovakia. How was that feeling playing against your home nation for your nation, if the phrase? Um, Got to be baffling, but nostalgic at the same point. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, my most of my family made the trip over too, so I think my my brother was actually wearing a Canada jersey during the game. So that was quite uh not too sure what was going on there but no um yeah there, it was it was crazy um kind of just like lining up at face-offs next to NHLers and you're just kind of thinking like how did how did we get here yeah so it was it was a pretty cool moment um I think uh yeah and having my family there and they were they were all super proud um Obviously, I didn't. They didn't think they would ever see me in a situation like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, obviously, the, the game didn't go so well, but uh, but what are you gonna do? Um, yeah, was, I just I just remember, uh, and they were in a their dressing room was right next to ours, so kind of walking into the room every day um, and just seeing like the guys leaving the room on that team like. I was like Mark Stone and, and they're just walking the other way while we're walking in. And it was just like pretty uh, surreal moments. Oh, definitely. It was mad enough for us as fans watching Great Britain ice hockey play Canada and yeah. America. We we watch NHL highlights like, oh, look at that goal. That's fantastic. And then we watch him play as we watch week in, week out play against them guys. It was just 
mind-boggling if if the phrase because you I didn't expect to see it in my lifetime but the, the Great Britain setup and game has improved tenfold over the years and um, one of the assistant coaches with GB at the time was Adam Keefe you leave Blaze in the season end up in Belfast was there a bit of tapping up by Adam Keefe or were you unsure what was going on um no not really um I mean we obviously spoke a little bit but he was uh, he was pretty uh, respectful about it all. I I told him that I wouldn't be making any decisions till after the World Championships. Um, I didn't know really what I was going to do if I was going to stay in the UK or not, or if something kind of not to disrespect the league, but if something bigger would have come up, I was kind of wanting to keep my options open. So, um, so yeah, I was. I was kind of receiving a lot of interest throughout the league and I was just kind of telling everyone that I wouldn't be making that decision till, till after the tournament. Um, and then, uh, obviously, yeah, after the, after the uh, tournament, uh, came, I kind of had a pretty big decision to make, um, whether it was staying in Coventry. Um, I obviously loved both two years there. Um, made some amazing friends. Uh, I got along with Stewie really well. Um, he, he really got the best out of me as a player. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll always be pretty grateful to him for that, uh, for giving me that opportunity. Um, but at the same time, I think as an away, as an away player, um, kind of going to Belfast and you, any team that, that plays Belfast, they're bringing their fans over. It's, it's kind of like a holiday for them. And for me to have that opportunity to go play there, go live in that city, play in that rink and being able to travel, being able to fly on weekends instead of sitting on a bus. Um, those were all, uh, those were all kind of key factors in my decision to go over there. And, and in, in saying that, it's, I absolutely loved loved being there. Um, it was it was such a fun place to play. Um, we had such an awesome group of guys. Um, again, made a ton of friends. Um, and yeah, so yeah, like I said, it was it was an extremely difficult decision for me. Um, for the most part, I've the biggest the hardest thing for me was kind of leaving guys like like Feds and V and Clem and even, and even Stewie, I, I, he was building something there. And, um, and it was, it was kind of a, uh, we finished, we scraped in the playoffs the last game in both my seasons there. And I kind of wanted to be part of, and kind of Belfast had just won the league title. And I remember playing against him in playoffs and thinking, Jesus Christ, he's got like, we didn't even touch the puck those two games in playoffs. And I just, I just remember wanting to kind of be a part of a team like that. Oh yeah. I was going to touch on that. The, uh, the game when Blaze beat Cardiff, the final regular season game, you were wrapping up the empty net goal. And then the following week, the team you moved to, well, they destroyed us to be perfectly honest. And they, they were un- uh, unbelievable that weekend and ended up losing the final to Cardiff. Um, but then you get to Belfast and you take in some Champions Hockey League hockey as well. How big was that tournament and how good is it in comparison to 
the competitions you played in so far? Yeah, so I'd say that was it was quite similar to the level at the World Championships. Um, just the speed of it um, was just it was on another level. Um, and then, so I think our, we actually won our first game in it. We played um, a team from Czech. I forget what they're called. Liberich. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, they, they came to Belfast and we ended up beating them. And uh, they, were, they were licking their wounds a little bit. They, they, didn't, they thought they were too good to be playing us. And we ended up beating them. And they were, they were cheap shotting us all over the ice, getting five-minute majors, getting a ton of penalties. And we ended up, yeah, we ended up winning that game. And then we played um, Augsburg. The, I think it was either the night after or a day later. Anyways, um, and then we had a really good game against them. Um, I think, I think we, had, we, lost, we lost two – we lost an overtime that game. And we scored a goal with like a minute left. Bobby Farnham scored it, and they called it off for some reason. And then they ended up winning in overtime or maybe it was right at the end of the game. I can't remember, but yeah, those, so after those two games, we thought, Oh, we're, we're in for a shot here. We, we could advance. And then um, kind of the, the tide turned on us when we, when we went to their homes, um, we got, we got beat pretty bad by Liberich. Um, that was, that was a decent game. Um, super nice rink. Um, it was a fun city. It was kind of, um, it was early fall time. So the weather was really good. Um, we had a couple of days off during it. So we were able to go, uh, go have a beer on the balcony. It was, it was nice. And then, um, and then we played, and I think we went from there and then we played Augsburg there. And that was insane. Like their fans were absolutely mental. Um, from what I gather, I think the Champions League, most of those teams don't really take too much stock in the, the opening games. They don't really get huge crowds, but they're like, it was full house. They were going absolutely mental the whole game. And we played a really good game. Um, I think we lost by a goal or two. I can't really remember. Um, but yeah, that was fun. It was during... Oktoberfest and we, we weren't flying out till the next night so we uh we had some fun in in Germany that night and uh yeah and then and then our uh, our biggest challenge was uh the Swedish team and they they just ran us off the rink both games they had so much skill so fast and I think when they came to Belfast they didn't even play their top line still beat us by three goals and then we went there and I don't, I don't think we touched the puck all game. It was, they had, they had this first round D man. He was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch him. I can't remember his name, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fun playing in those games. It's a, it's a different cat official to cover, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's playing again in again league competition week in week out against the same teams and you get to know the team's sort of setups their process their plays where the star guys are who's going to keep your head up against but then going into this champions hockey league these teams are just they're in a different ill call together they are a cut of the best most of them and some of the swedish teams the speed on them it's 
Something but else. I but I think it also shows the caliber of the the elite league. Um, I know Cardiff was Cardiff did well in their group. They they were beating the Austrian team pretty handily, and we were we were matching up pretty good with the German team. Um, beat the Czech team, so I think. I mean, who knows what lineups they were putting forward, but I think I think it shows we were we were um, we were competitive in in most of the games, other than when we played the Swedish team, who who they are usually winning that competition. Yeah, that's the thing. They're the ones who are normally in the top one, two, three, four semifinals, yeah. things like that. And I think sometimes they don't value. It's the same in any sport. You look at football, you mentioned you like football. The FA Cup this year, Tottenham played against Marine. Yeah. Who they were nine, eight, nine divisions below. And we still put out star players. I say we, Tottenham still put out star players. Everyone's going, why? But these guys, to them, this is going to be massive. They're not going to play against these guys ever again. So it's, it's the respect element as well. But moving on from Belfast, Champions Hockey League, COVID's kibosh the season and um, currently playing the streaming series with Sheffield is that a ticking stuff over for GB potentially because there was I did read an article somewhere it may have been in Belfast Telegraph that there was consideration to hang the skates up yeah I mean well I was I was re-signed to go back to Belfast um, for this season um, and obviously that didn't happen so um yeah, I mean, kind of with what's going on, nobody really knows what's happening, right? So I was, I was kind of contemplating it. I was, it was kind of in my head that I don't know, maybe I don't play again. Um, like I'm working full time now, so. And then this that streaming series came up, and I was living in the area, and their owner kind of got wind of that. And gave me a call, um, and I, I just thought, why not? Uh, not doing anything else, I might as well. And so that's kind of brought me back in the game. Um, so that's, that's been nice, um, getting to play guys like V and Clem. Um, so I think v, v actually scored a hat-trick against us in one of the games. Bastard. And... Uh, but no, uh, so yeah, those games are fun. Um, and uh, yeah, now we're, in, now we're into the spring series and it's kind of feels like it's a bit more serious and we're getting uh, tested twice a week and we're playing, uh, we had our first two games against Swindon last weekend and then we had this past weekend off and uh, and then we're just gearing up for, uh, we play London this weekend. So we're training, yeah, Tuesday, Thursday nights. And we've kind of got a, a lot of elite league guys on our team, um, most of the Sheffield guys. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been nice playing again, being in the dressing room again. Um, you know, you obviously, you obviously know you miss it, but you don't realize how much you miss it until you're back in the room. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been good. Um, being able to do something during this kind of crap time. No, definitely just something to take your mind off the kind of four walls that we will have to see every single day, which gets a bit boring. Exactly. So, um, 
you've, you've mentioned them a few times now, obviously Clem and V and even we'll throw, throw Luke in there as well. Obviously the, the brick core at Blaze. Um, obviously when you get that call to GB, was it an easy transition with the likes of V and Luke being in the squad as well? Obviously familiar surroundings being at the Sky Dome, two faces that you're aware of. Does that just make it that little bit easier when you play those first couple of games? Yeah, so Feds and I, we actually roomed uh, together during the whole World Championships. So um, that was nice, kind of having a familiar face there. Um, obviously, everyone in the GB setups, well, not everyone, but most guys have been in there for plenty of years. So mm-hmm. it's always it's always tough for a newcomer, kind of. You have to uh, you have to earn those guys' trust and kind of earn your stripes uh, along the way. So it was nice uh, having Feds there. And then last year during the Olympic qualifiers, V was there too. So it's always nice having familiar faces and and uh, good friends there. I suppose it always makes that a little bit easier. Um, bit of an unusual question. It's, it's something that it's, we like to approach it from obviously the players that play for the national team um, that obviously have dual nationality like yourself. So a lot of fans like us, we're like, if you're eligible, play. It, you know, it happens in football. You know, for example, Wilfred Zaha is English, but he plays for obviously his uh, parents' nation. I, I can't remember if it's Ivory Coast or something. Similar yeah. with yourself, obviously, you're born in Canada. Your mum and dad, like you say, are British. Um, so you've got a dual nationality. So you play, but you're still considered an import based on elite league rules. Does that rule kind of perplex you in a way? Because, hold on a minute, I'm British, I'm allowed to play for the national team, but I'm not considered British enough to uh, my team and I'm taking an import slot away from potentially my club signing another import player. Does that, does that, how does that sit with you? Because I know Liam Stewart touched upon it and he said it's a stupid rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's something I've never really understood either. Um, I've never really got an explanation as to why it is a rule. Um, I kind of prefer to stay out of the politics of it all, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it is frustrating um, that, I mean, you're allowed to play for the national team, but, um, and I think it would improve the league even more if, because it's clearly there's so many dual nationalities out there. There's, mm. there's obviously a ton of British exports, in Canada who have raised kids in Canada who have dual nationality. So um, I know it's kind of a touchy subject with some fans who don't, who think it's taken away from opportunities of younger kids. But I think if you want to make the league as good as it can be, um, then why not include those with British passports as non-imports? Makes sense. You've got to utilise the kind of cards that are in your hand at the time. And if, if you've got someone like yourself, you know, Dallas Hart as well, obviously he's dual national. If you've got them available in the league and you can play them in the national squad as well, you would, because that's only going to help the next generation of national squads come through. You yeah. like your, your Clems, obviously, on D. Um, your Liam Kirk's, obviously, we know how good Liam Kirk is with going to the OHL, etc. But people of that kind of calibre. So, before we kind yeah. of wrap it up for yourself. And I mean, I don't think it, it necessarily takes away opportunities. Mm. If, if you're good enough, you can play. Um, and at the end of the day, if you're not good enough, you won't really make it. So 
coaches are going to give those opportunities to guys who are good enough, but like those young British kids who are good enough, they will earn those opportunities as they come. Yeah. Makes sense. It's like with anything though, you know, you could pick someone up off the street and say, I need you to do this job. Doesn't matter what nationality, if they're good at it, you're going to hire them, aren't you? So personal one before we wrap it up for you then, Ben, obviously you can see from the hat, which uh, NHL team I support. I can't even see it. Oh, (laughs) Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So obviously that world championships, you've got USA playing in that same pool. Kane's captain of the USA team. What, when you're playing, obviously you've got to be like, this is my role. I've got to play this game, but can you not just sit there and be in awe of that kind of a player playing on that ice? I suppose you just sit there and you lose track of what's going on going, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the only thing I remember about him was that he turned it over one time and while I was on ice and we ended up scoring a goal on him. So that was, that was a nice one. But other than that, I probably didn't get near him all game. It's, it's hard for me. I don't really remember um, certain instances in certain games. It's just not really how my brain works. I just kind of, kind of I guess as a hockey player, you learn to put everything behind you and just focus on what's next. But I guess I subconsciously do that no matter like, I probably shouldn't have been doing that during those games. I wish I remembered exactly how everything went. Um, but yeah, that U.S. team had some serious firepower Kane Eichel Goudreau um and I think we uh yeah it was I think the final was 6-3 that game that was probably the best game we had all tournaments um we were actually getting some possession time and some good opportunities so yeah I think we uh we had we had a lot of fun that night and we were uh we weren't too starstruck I guess good to hear it's good to hear so, like I say, we're coming towards the end of everything for you now, Ben. Obviously, we've kind of come up to the streaming series, which is recent. Um, we always ask our guests um, the next question, and it's, it is a tough one. It's going to put you on the spot, so apologies in advance. Throughout your career of playing hockey, uh, being players that you've played with, you need to pick your top line. So that would be one netminder, two D-men, and three forwards. This is anybody you've played with throughout your career. Oh, that's tough. Even, like, going back as a kid? If you want to go that far back, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's tough. Let's see. In goal. um, mm. Sorry, this might take a while. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. We can edit it to make it sound like it came instantly to you. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Okay, so in goal... um, Let's just say I play with in uh, in junior. Um, he was he was a good friend of mine, uh, Steve Legato. Played with him in junior and um, at Sacred Heart in University. Um, maybe not the greatest goalie I played with, but he was a good guy. We we were good friends. Goalies are an odd bunch, so that's a hard one to pick. Um, Okay, defense. Um, I'll say uh, I, when I was when I was younger, I played on the same summer team as Tyler Myers, so I'll say him. Um, and then other defense. Um, tough. 
Uh, I'll say I played with in Alaska. He was uh, probably one of the best defensemen I've played with. Um, his name is William Wren. I think he ended up playing in the KHL and in Finland. Um, he was our captain in Alaska. Great guy, great player. Um, and then forwards, uh, I played with uh, Joel Colburn. I played with him when I was younger. Um, he was always probably one of the, the best players in our age group as a kid. And then obviously went on to play in the NHL. Um, and then who, who else do you have? Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll throw crowds in there, Tim Crowder. I like I like playing with crowds a lot. Uh, we obviously had quite a lot of success together, so I'll include him. Um, hmm. Let's see. And then I'll I'll add uh, last. I'll I'll say uh, Curtis Hamilton from last season. Um, really strong player, good resume, um, and just yeah, all around great guy as well. Yeah, so I'm literally we've we've wrote it down here, kind of going through it. Like Tyler Myers, I mean, I wouldn't want to stand next to him. I'm like five foot six, five foot seven, so he's going to be a wow. He's like he's like well easily a foot above me, and I'm <laughs> I don't do he, heights. <laughs> he was that he was that size when we were kids. I probably haven't spoken to him since I was twelve years old, but I'll include him anyway. Jeez, that's name great. drop. <laughs> just just drop that one in there. That's fine. Yeah. What we'll do now then, Ben, is we'll just check with the other two to see if there's any questions that have come up while we've been maybe talking. Um, so we'll start with Ross. Ross, have you got any more? No, nothing from me. No problems then. Uh, Ash, have you got any more? Just one more. You mentioned him earlier. Um, Bobby Farnham. <laughs> A character in his own. When he came to the league, I was, I was kind of shocked he came to the Elite League. And then he came across and he was... Well, he was a whirlwind. What's Bobby Farnham like as a teammate? And at points you think, we need to turn him down, but we're not going anywhere near him to turn him down. <laughs> no, he's honestly one of the, he's one of the best guys I've played with. Um, he comes across on the, uh, he's, he's a wild man. Um, he just, he wants to win so bad. Um He'll, he'll do whatever it takes. Um, and I think he's, he's obviously been in that situation like myself, albeit in the American League, um, where he's kind of been in a role where he has to finish hits, fight to earn his spot. So I think him coming over to the Elite League and kind of maybe being in a more advanced role where he's kind of relied on the score goals I think that took some getting used to for him um so but I think for a guy like that you can never turn down that energy level um that's what makes him who he is and and a, away from the rank he's he was one of the one of the best guys um always wanted to make sure every everyone was doing okay um very sociable guy um got, gets along with everyone um always yeah just kind of always checking everyone's okay and wants wants everyone to be having a good time just like he is <laughs> he's uh, definitely worth the uh, entrance fee alone on any given night because you don't know yeah. what he's going to do is it oh, yeah. he likes to get into it with the fans too that's always i remember him doing it in, in coventry that one game that was pretty funny 
Yeah. So what was... in uh, 14 had a bit of a mouthful from it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. I was I was laughing at that pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was pretty close by. Um, I could get away with being right behind the away bench, being dressed in a big green crocodile dragon thing. And uh, someone from 14 gave him a mouthful. And I thought, ah, fair play. Like, he hasn't responded. Two minutes later, yeah, I looked back and he's just going at him. I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> it was funny. I think he, he might have scored and he was going back at the guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think next shift he went on. Um, and he, I think he pretty much set it up and then ended up putting it away himself. Comes back to the bench, looks up, he goes, How was that for you then, darling? And just sits down. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> if you can chirp a fan like that and just prove them wrong in, a, in a, a couple of minutes of being wound up, then you win, in my opinion. Yeah, he's always looking to get into it. No, but great guy, like I said. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it then for this evening, then, Ben. So uh, the only thing I can really say is thank you for taking time out of your evening. Uh, appreciate it obviously coming on and joining us for an episode so just for the listeners obviously listening to in this week thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the third period podcast thanks again for listening to the third period of podcast we hope you enjoyed the show remember to check out willie's ice hockey emporium for all your ice hockey needs